Welcome back to another episode of the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Happy Thursday, everyone. This is your host, Dustin Luntz, and with me, my partner in crime, Jacob Trowbridge. How are you doing, sir? Don't you be telling them about my crimes, uh, but I'm doing very well. How are you, Dustin? I'm doing fantastic. I am so glad tomorrow's Friday and it's the weekend. Uh, I'm just I'm ready for weekend. it. Yes. <laughs> and uh, not only is it the freaking weekend, but it is one day closer to Scott Fishbowl. Yes, very excited about that. Uh, we are in the middle of a mock draft. You and I both got in one together. Uh, it's it's going pretty interesting, I have to say. It's fun to see the different uh, uh, scenarios of what people are drafting and, and what their strategy is as far as who gets drafted when. Yeah, the strategies are bonkers to this point. They're mm-hmm. not what I was expecting at all, which is why you do a mock draft, right? That's right. You want to you get ahead of them crazy-ass strategies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Scott Fishbowl, I mean, it's been a lot of fun uh, getting to know the people like in my specific uh, division, since my division's all filled. Uh, we're in a group chat together, which has been nice getting to know that crew. Uh, the mock draft we're in has a big crew of people in, which has been awesome. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun meeting and greeting new people and, and getting to know more people in the community. It's what it's what it's all about. It's what the Scott Fish Bowl is about. Mm-hmm. It's charity. It's uh, unionship, if that's a word. And uh, yeah, it's, it's forming new bonds. Mm-hmm. That's what we're fucking talking about here. That's right. We've got a great episode this evening. Another special guest to help us talk the AFC South, our division uh, preview for the upcoming season. But before we bring on our special guest, Justin, what are you drinking, Jake? I I am very excited. So I, I was telling you before we hopped on officially here about my monumentous beer run that I made last night. And I brought back uh, a collection that, that I think would make your head spin. Um, and this one that I'm trying first out of this batch is from Bent Paddle. What up, Duluth? So it's Duluth, Minnesota beer, uh, which, of course, you love. And uh, this is called Imperial Wilderness Tuxedo. Can I just show you in the camera, first of all? I know our listeners can't see it, but the, the can it's very is a fancy. fucking tuxedo. It's incredible. Well, I'm going to have to post a picture of this to Twitter because it's just so impressive. <laughs> that is very nice. I like that. Yeah, it's a colorful tuxedo, uh, which makes sense because this is an American sour with pineapple and blueberry. Or excuse me, pineapple and blackberry. Uh, so I'm very excited. I have not actually tried this. So you're going to get the live taste here. Uh, but it's it's a hefty 8.3% by Ooh, volume. Nice. There's that imperial for you. Absolutely. Well, I've got, I've got a Minnesota beer as well. I feel like we're kind of traders, both going over the border to Minnesota here. Uh, oh, no. I know. Uh, but I've got... From Lubalin Brewing in Big Lake, Minnesota. Uh, this is their apricot blonde, and they say it's they say it's summer in a can. You ha- you have to tell me if that is verified after you mm-hmm. after you imbibe a little bit. We're both going after the fruit heavy beers tonight. Yes, both this- Minnesota fruit heavy beers. Mm-hmm. That's what we're rolling with. Can I just tell you? I've had a few sips of this. This is so good that I might need you to hold me after. That's how oh, good this beer is. I would gladly do that. Masks on. <laughs> Uh, of course, we need to protect ourselves. Of course, of course. But goddamn, this is incredible. Wow. Way to go, Bet Paddle. Yeah, this, this is five-star beer. I say this is a pretty good beer as well. Uh, definitely a good summer summer drinker here. Whew. Whew. This is dangerous. This is 8.3%. This is real, real dangerous because they go down not like an 8.3% beer. Uh, that's always good. Always a sign of a really good beer. Abs- <laughs> absolutely it is. Um boy god i'm so excited and yeah uh, uh the fruit beers I, I don't know man summer for me like that's i'm all about these sours i know you're just kind of getting into sours mm-hmm. uh and especially like you've been weaning yourself in uh with the not quite sour beers but uh, I, I need to drop one off on your doorstep i think oh, this absolutely. is that of beer. yeah you have to share this is <laughs> this is well, the rule oh, i thought you meant you had to share with my wife i'm like i'm not sharing with her i'm gonna drink it all myself Oh, no, no, no. You do not. <laughs> the golden rule does not extend that far. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Can we talk about what I'm so excited yes. to introduce to our listeners today? Yes, brand new, hot off the presses. Tell us what it is, Jake. We're keeping this this drinking train rolling here. So you know that at the top of these episodes, this is what we do. We talk about the beers that we're drinking this week. Uh, you know, just like we like to give you ideas about what to do with fantasy football, we like to give you ideas about what to put in your mouth. So that's why we do these beer reviews. Um, and uh, uh, we like to do the imbibing as we discuss because mm-hmm. it's like our natural form. is It's drinking and talking fantasy football. It's the two things that, that go together like peanut butter and jelly. 
uh, we're leaning in to the, the front part of that name now. We're leaning into the drinking part with a DTFF drinking game. So if you follow us on Twitter, which you should, and if you don't, you can, at Drinking Fantasy. Mm-hmm. I did post this, uh, the rules to this drinking game, right up there. Uh, with my own design, thank you very much. I thought the Photoshop went pretty well for this uh, this game board, quote-unquote, that we have up there. Um, but it's pretty simple. When you listen to this podcast, we want you to get in on the good times with us. So there are a few things that we say often. And I'm the first to admit that we each have our own little uh, uh, go-tos, right? We all, Our go-to quotes, our default settings. Mm-hmm. And so every time that we, we fall to one of those, every time we say one of these things, every time we circle around one of these topics, now you get a drink. I mean, you could drink before, but now you're really encouraged to drink. So, for example, you can take one drink every time that I talk up my man Robert Woods. You could also take a drink every time that Dustin talks up his man, Johnu Smith. We reference an old beer bet, boom, beer in your mouth. We, we make a new beer bet, that's two drinks. We hate on tight ends like we like to do, that's also two drinks. Uh, you finish your drink if, if I hate on Eli Manning for no particular reason. Or his face. It's or his not very for no face. reason, let's be honest. Well, there's always a reason. It's just not necessarily uh, tenuous to the topic at hand. Uh, or you finish a drink if Dustin mentions Russell Wilson's quote-unquote talent, as we like to do because of that stupid fucking commercial that will never leave my head. Ever. So anyway, <laughs> the full rules are up on Twitter at Drinking Fantasy. Go check them out. Download it. Pin it to your laptop mm-hmm. background. I don't care. I want you to follow along with us. Uh, if you're listening at work, maybe not the best idea to Correct. follow along, you know, with this drinking game there. But if you're listening at home, you also don't do it if you're if you're in the vehicle listening, uh, you know. But from the safety of your of your domicile, give it a give it a check out. Yeah, it is our uh, pin tweet on our. Twitter page, so you'll find it first thing, which is great, very convenient. Uh, yeah, check it out and, and play along, and maybe post some videos of uh, of you uh, having to to do these drinks uh, when we are mentioning said players or said things happen. Now we're gonna make it. A, we're gonna make it a point. I think we're not gonna do this on purpose. We're no. not just gonna randomly do these things just because uh, it would be fun. Although it would be, you know, this has to be all natural, which I'm still not really concerned about because again, we we talk about this shit all the time. That's right. You know what else we talk about? Drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 drunk. Our drunk trade of the week. That's what's up. So this week's comes from at Dynasty Bigs with a Z. Heavy, heavy Bigs. This one, boy, Dustin. You know, we're talking about Scott Fishbowl, and Scott Fishbowl brings out the classiness in everybody, I think, mm-hmm. and the good-heartedness. Waz does this drunk trade. He says he traded a 2022 first-round pick plus some other later draft picks for LaShawn McCoy early last offseason. Set in the mood with an ouch. Mm-hmm. He woke up the next morning, didn't remember making the trade at all. Got the other owner to agree to get rid of the deal, and in exchange, he gave him a free third-round pick. Isn't that nice? That is nice. So, first thing first, the, the trade is awful. Yes. Just awful. No, no, no two ways about it. I'm interested to know how drunk he actually was, because he doesn't remember it at all. Uh, Pretty. But this has been a couple uh, weeks here in a row, I believe, where we've actually had uh, the owner reverse the uh, trade and be really nice about it. So uh, That's exactly right. I need to be in some of those leagues. <laughs> yeah, you do. You need league mates that are as generous That's right. as this guy here. Uh, yeah, but you traded away. Uh, now, granted, yes, it's a 2022 first round pick. So last season, I mean, that's a long ways out. And I, I understand how easy it is to fall into these kind of traps, especially when you're drinking because you're like, I'm just living for tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not focused on three years from now. But LaShawn McCoy was a 30 year old running back uh, last offseason. And. I don't. I'm assuming this is maybe when he got picked up by KC. I don't even remember what time last offseason that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that was the case, I guess you were just hoping that being reunited, you know, with with uh, Andy Reid would would be enough. And it was not. It yeah, was not at all. I, I think everybody thought that that could be a really good fit, but a first round pick. I don't care if it was ten years down the road. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't be worth it, in my opinion. Well, now that's just crazy talk. <laughs> I don't know. Was it really? 
Okay, maybe not for maybe not for Shady. Hey, come on, he was a healthy scratch down the stretch and through the playoffs. He was. I think he officially had like one usable game last last season. Yeah. So uh, he was hurt. There's but, zero you know, return on that investment. <laughs> indeed, indeed, not great. Not great. No, you know what is great? Our guest that's coming up. He's that, pretty great. That's right. We will be right back with our special guest, Justin Carter. Uh, so hold on, folks. We are back with our very special guest this evening to talk through the AFC South. We have Justin Carter. Good evening, Justin. How are you doing? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Oh, terrific. I mean, we're talking fantasy football. What could be really better than this? Well, the drinking, Dustin. The drinking and the talking fantasy football. Okay, there is that as well, I suppose. Uh, But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, my name's Justin Carter. Um, you can find me on Twitter at JustCarts. Um, I've been writing about fantasy football for three years, almost four years now. Um, with Rotoballer, where I do a lot of things. I'm an assistant editor on the football side. I'm also the lead NASCAR and NBA editor. Um, I write about the WNBA also. Yeah, I, I write about a lot of sports. Oh, so you're a jack of all trades, yeah. and you're a man after my heart because you also write about WWE, which is incredible. To me. <laughs> all right, so um, as I said, we are going to be talking uh, AFC South here, and we will start ourselves right in the Homer's corner here, uh, talking Houston. Uh, so Houston has had an interesting offseason, to uh, say the least here, uh, trading away uh, DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and a ham sandwich and uh, uh, kind of the big news. Uh, they also uh, got Brandon Cooks on the team as kind of a big free agent, or not free agent, but a, a trade there. Our hometown favorite added to the team, Randall Cobb. Uh, yes, he's still young and he's still in the league. Uh, so why don't you... Uh, let us know how you're feeling about these moves here for your team. Oh, man. Um, I mean, the Hopkins trade from, like, a, from almost every angle you can think of it from was bad. Um, <laughs> I don't think it takes the team short-term, but I, I think it's a very short-sighted move that, like, down the line really kind of frankly what this thing can do. But I, I guess Bill O'Brien's really coaching and giving for his um, immediate future right now. And I guess... Somehow that turned into trading your best player for David Johnson and not even a first round pick. Uh, it's I'm not I'm not like a hundred percent angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You've you've made it through some of the steps of grief about this process. Are you anywhere close to acceptance with this, or is that still a little ways off? I mean, I think as long as all the receivers they currently have stay healthy for one year, I can be accepting for now, but I mean, you know, in 2022, when we have no one left on the offense, and Hopkins would have been a great player to have for Deshaun Watson, unless Watson gets traded by one. Which you never know, that could happen. (laughs) I'm not even going to say 2022 when that happens. I'm going to say about week four of this this season, when Brandon Cooks goes out with a concussion, when Randall Cobb gets hurt as he always gets hurt, when Will Fuller gets hurt as he always gets hurt, they are collecting the most injury I hate, I, it's not injury prone because I, I don't like saying that word, but they're collecting the most injuries in the league. And I almost feel like that was Bill O'Brien's intent a little bit. Like he was kind of collecting injuries, like playing cards with his players. It's like, Hey, how many injuries you had the last couple of years? Oh, just the one? Yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking for only those big time injuries to come through here. But what, what do you think about David Johnson there then? Is, are you at least a little excited about DJ? I'm, yeah, well, I mean, in a vacuum, um, I mean, he's a good receiving back. Has like a track record of using receiving backs, um, but he still hasn't done a lot of throwing to the running back, so that worries me. That's the one thing David Johnson might still need to be good at is a skill that the team has not valued as much over the entire Bill O'Brien era. Well, yeah, because they already have a receiving back on the team, another uh, D. Johnson, so uh, it almost feels like they're doubling up on that uh, receiving back position there. Yeah, which leaves them with, like, I mean, I guess they have David Johnson to run the ball, but that didn't go so well last year. I mean, mm-hmm. Also, he's helped after doing something close to what he used to be at that point of game. But it's, it's, I'm kind of surprised they didn't they didn't keep one of, uh, you know, Carlos Hyde or Lamar Miller just on a very cheap contract, which I'm sure could have happened. Um uh, you know, maybe Hyde would have had more suitors, as we saw. Obviously, he, he went elsewhere. He's with the Seahawks, but 
he didn't get a starting role, so it seemed reasonable that they could have kept one or the other, maybe as kind of like more insurance. Um, so that depth chart in the backfield is interesting because behind those two, I don't know who's really there to kind of pick up the slack if they would need it. Texas fan, I'm actually having to Google this right now because I don't even know. That's never a good sign. I remember one of my off-season favorites. One of my off-season favorites from last year was Karan Higdon, an undrafted free agent that they picked up. Um, maybe he's still hanging back there and could could give a little juice. He could get some work. Yeah, he he's the fourth string over, I think. Buddy Howell's on the team still, but Buddy Howell's just a specialty guy, um, which is kind of what this team did last year. They had Duke Johnson, the head coach, high, but like the third and fourth back were only on specialties. So it's it's an approach where Bill O'Brien really values. You contributing, you know, two mm-hmm. different times a game to run down on punt returns. It's more than the value you being able to play running back in the NFL. <laughs> Maybe Bill's going to suit up and, and hop in the backfield if both those guys get injured. Maybe he's just going to, you know, he's already he's already the GM and and the coach. He might as well just triple up and he'll just be a reserve running back. Well, that's absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a good guess what might happen. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a wide receiver that you're interested in out of this group for fantasy purposes? I mean, I think I think Randall Cobb's going to get a lot of work this year. Um, if you have Cooks and Fuller on the outside as those deep threats, and I think there's going to be a lot of short and immediate routes for Randall Cobb. Um, there's not really a tight end to take you know targets away from most of the field. There's Darren Bells to show up at the two-yard line, but aside from that, I think Cobb with a lot of that short yardage and immediate yardage work. I think he has a, has a lot of open space to work in this year. Um, I mean, I like Will Fuller as four games to play this year. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's I, I like Randy Cooks for the 10 games football this year. It's just I mean, the injuries concern me. I like that Kenny Stills is there on the bench to, um, to jump in when those guys get hurt, but yeah, I think Cobb's my, my favorite. Yeah, I I, I personally, uh, especially in redraft, I think this year, but even for Dynasty, uh, going after Brandon Cooks, uh, I was looking up his wide receiver finishes. Uh, last year, obviously injured, he finished at 62. But going back uh, aside the next four years uh, after his rookie season, finished 13, 15, 10, and 13 overall. Like, he's just been a bastion of consistency. I, I know he was injured last year, and he had the concussions, which is a very scary thing because he could get hit one more time, and that could be the end of his career. Uh, but I just feel like he's so undervalued right now for the type of production he can give you. Uh, he's currently going as the wide receiver 30 in Dynasty startups, which is crazy, crazy value. Yeah, I mean, I like Brandon Cook. I think it was a good addition. Um, I mean, I'm still a little bitter just because, like, if you wide receiver one instead of DeAndre Hawkins, it's not... Oh, yeah, definitely a downgrade. <laughs> but, I mean, if Cooks is healthy, he's probably just going to be the top receiver here. I mean, I like Cobb a little more just in terms of, like, the value you might get on him. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know, know where I'm going right now, but I know it's very late um, in drafts. I shouldn't look it up, but um, I keep seeing him available in mocks much later than I usually think he would be done. Um, what do you... I want to talk to Sean Watson here for a hot take. Uh, without Hopkins there now, do you see him taking a step back, or is he just that good where he can overcome losing uh, someone that can catch anything that's thrown at him? And I, I think the team is building an offense that really works to his strengths, which are you know, working that like, passing game. I think he had like five fantasy points per game higher in games that Will Fuller played over the last few years. Um, so I think I see what the team's doing with Watson and what they're doing with how they put an offense around him that plays to his strength, injuries factor into that. But I think if everyone stays healthy, I don't see a drop off in Watson, even without Hopkins there. Um, the offensive line seems to be improving. There's consistency on it, finally. Um, so I, 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 I'm still, I, I think at the redraft, I, Watson's probably like 2 3 2 4 still, even after all of this. In the dynasty, same. Yeah. 
Okay. And you Fair know, the Houston's Texans, so their offensive line did finish 20th, according to PFF last year, uh, when all was said and done, which I think, like you said, like, like, I actually think that's an improvement and I think it'll continue to improve. And even a middle of the road offensive line for Deshaun Watson is not, it's not the end of the world. It's, it's like with Russell Wilson, like he can endure a bad offensive line. You know, yeah, ideally it would be great if you get him a top five ranked O-line so he really has time to work his magic and do all that. But he doesn't need it. Um, And I do love what you're saying about, like, he just loves to go deep. And so they added really three deep ball guys, basically, or construed three deep ball guys. Kenny Stills is kind of that mold as well. So let him just keep chucking it, you know? And if, if that's his strength, then build to it. And that's what they did. So I really like... Deshaun Watson now from a dynasty perspective, because I think his his price point went down so much that um, maybe not now, maybe it's starting to come back a little bit up to more reasonable levels. But he was definitely a target of mine early in this offseason when this news broke with the trade of of uh, Hopkins, because I think people were overreacting to it. Is he a guy that you are, are going after, Justin? Um, you know, I in terms of going after him like drafts, yes. Um, he's going after in trades. I don't really ever trade for quarterbacks. I don't know. Um, I just don't value the position as much unless it's Superflex. And I think in Superflex games right now, I still don't want to trade up for what Sean Watson is talking. Um, but I, you know, like, he's someone that I'm definitely interested in, in drafts. I, I know in the Fishbowl box, he's going fairly late at quarterback, like, like six or seven, because he's like the lost point of sack. So in that, I'm definitely keeping an eye on him. Um, I think he'll take fewer sacks this year than he in the past, because I think the line's going to be better. Um, he's still holding the ball over too long sometimes, but right people hate the blocking. Yeah, you gotta take the good with the bad. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, do you have anything else here you want to add about your your Texans here before we, we move on to the rest of the division? Um, I would just, I would say that if there are people who still think GPPG is going to be valuable in Houston, that they should just stop. Uh, <laughs> like, just stop fancy football altogether. <laughs> Phil O'Brien has kind of shown that he doesn't trust GPPG on the field. Um, I know he's still on the roster. I know there are people who still think he can do something. You know, I know what's my response to that. Well, yeah, I mean, they brought in Stills last year, and they drafted another wide receiver this year. Uh, so, yeah, I can see how O'Brien doesn't really care for him a whole lot. And I get your Homer's opinion on one player that I've been. I can't stop myself from hope, from hyping this guy up all offseason. I know you said that there's no, there's no really tight end there to worry about for Randall Cobb's purposes. But what do you think about Kahale Waring? Third-round pick from 2019, was injured last year, obviously didn't get to play but his athletic profile is fantastic like one of the best to come out in recent years is there any chance is there a sliver of hope even that Kali Warren could be a thing um in 2021 sure yeah um mm-hmm. this year I just think I think Darren Fells is going to kind of dominate the snaps at tight end um he's such he's a good blocker he's a good threat in the red zone he's not really much of a threat anywhere else I think I like Warren I think he's got a lot of work to do to kind of get higher up to the like I think not having a competition without people going to kind of hurt his chances of getting as much time as I mean, O'Brien said something a few months ago that like he doesn't do the rookies this year getting the kind of snaps that they might in other years because of the lack of prep time, the lack, lack of practice. And in a way, Warren's almost like a rookie because I think that kind of impacts him too. But I, I like him long term. I think he could emerge in the future, obviously. I'll take it. I will take it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Jacksonville uh, and the mustache there. Uh, so they lost a couple players. I don't know if you'd call it significant or not, but they uh, got rid of Nick Foles and trade this offseason and got rid of Marquise Lee. Uh, didn't really bring a whole lot in as, as far as free agent talent goes. Uh, Chris Thompson and Tyler Eifert, uh, take that for what you will. Uh, they flashed in the past. Uh but in the draft, uh, a lot of hype going for LaVisca Chenault uh, that they took uh, in the second round, I believe. Uh, I know a lot of hype around him. Uh, what do you think about this Jaguars team this year? I mean, I, from like a non-Jaguars perspective, I think they're going to be really, really bad. Um, <laughs> it's hard to see them winning very many games. Um, I think Gardner Minshew is okay. I, I, I don't want to say he's bad. It's a little early for that. Um but there were some kind of concerning things 
in his profile and everything else. He has 47th among quarterbacks in regular completion percentage, which doesn't even make sense to be that low. Yeah, that's um, not good. He's 31st in pressure completion percentage. Um, he has a fine deep ball, but I mean, the ability to get the ball to receivers in the short and immediate passing game is a big concern for me, um, which, like, in terms of maybe a receiver on this team who I'm worried about because of that, like, I can be Westbrook is someone who needs a quarterback who's, I guess, better in that short intermediate passing game to excel with. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I have a lot of concerns about this game. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see if Minshew can take a big step forward here uh, in going into a second season. I know, you know, drafted in the sixth round, nobody was expecting him to play. Uh, probably more of a just second, third string QB, uh, you know, with Foles there. Uh, and he was just kind of given the reins and, and obviously uh, electrified the fan base and, and, and the NFL here. So I, I'm curious to see if, you know, a full off season, knowing that he is the starter uh, and puts in a little bit of extra work and, and makes some jumps in some of those uh, statistical categories that he was kind of lacking in last season. I wish he would. I, w- I wish and I hope for him that he can and that he will because um, he the fans love him and you need those fans to be riled up, you know, around somebody. So that's wonderful. That wide receiver core is just such a mess to me to try and decipher and I don't know I mean outside of DJ Chark who I really do like for both redraft and dynasty purposes um, I could see him you know he has like top 15 upside for this year honestly because I don't know what is happening with the rest of that squad there and really same for tight end like I don't know that they have they have Josh Oliver who could be okay and Tyler Eifert if he stays healthy like he did last year could also be okay but Jacksonville never really uses their tight ends anyways. But, but I, I don't really know what to think. One, so, I mean, is is that because they haven't had a real tight end that they haven't used one? Or is it just the function of the offense where they just don't throw to it? That's possible. They've been trying to piecemeal tight end together for the last three years or so. Mm-hmm. You know, because of all the injuries and just it's random dudes getting tossed in. So that could very well be the case. But I, like, I don't, I won't have Chenault on any teams for this year. I, I do like him as a dynasty prospect. But I don't know who else to really go after. Do, I guess here's my here's my question. Do we expect Leonard Fournette to once again get like a hundred targets because there's nobody else there to throw to? Is that a thing? I don't expect that. Well, if Chris Thompson's healthy, I don't expect him to get a hundred targets because Fournette wasn't that efficient with those targets he got. I mean, he compiled up numbers because he got a hundred targets, but like if Thompson's healthy, I think throwing the ball to him helps you more than what Fournette does. Um, but Chris Thompson's health history is not not encouraging, so I, I, I kind of depend on some stuff there. But I don't envision Fournette getting the same kind of passing work that he had last year. I, I appreciate you saying that. Now I know Dustin loves him some Fournette for for now, but I, I really do. I, Chris Thompson is kind of fool's gold for like an actual fantasy perspective. If you want to, I, I would not say to draft Chris Thompson or try and actively get him on your teams, uh, just because of the health issues. It's it's persistent. It's constant with him. However, <laughs> when he's on the field, you're right. If he is healthy, he gets targets. Like when he was somewhat healthy last year through the first six games uh with washington chris thompson commanded targets um he he commanded a lot of targets i think he was on pace for something like 125 targets um but again that pace is is probably never going to be actually reflective of what he does because of the injuries so let's say for the five games that chris thompson is out there uh, we could expect Leonard Fournette to get maybe one or two per game. And then after Chris Thompson inevitably gets injured, maybe, maybe that ramps again by necessity. But I- I'm staying a little bit away from Fournette this year. Where are you with him, Justin? I mean, I'm. I, it's going to depend on his price tag when I start doing actual drafts, I think. Um, I view him as like a high-end RB2. Um, if he's getting drafted as a low-end RB1, I'm probably out. Uh, I just think... I think last year, in terms of, yeah, in terms of receiving usage, is the most he's ever going to be. Um, and I just, I also wonder if we see more like Armstead this year. Um, I wonder, like, I wonder if they really give Fournette the same high usage workload they have in the past. If he maybe isn't part of the future plans, and they want to see what else they have. Um, 
Now, D, because here's the counter the counter argument that I hear often, and D, I'm assuming that you're in support of this, is the, the touchdown numbers were super, super low last year. So there could be some room for positive regression there. Is that what you're thinking about that, D? Is that why you're a little bit more after him? Uh, that's definitely, uh, definitely. I think he, he's going, going to bounce back this year and have more touchdowns. Uh, but like we were just saying that he, he's on the last year of his contract and he probably not in the, the future plans for this organization. So I think they're going to use him and abuse him this season and then just let him walk in free agency and get what they can out of him this year. That's fair. I get that argument. Um, I mean, I wonder if that's how it goes for most of the year, but if in the last few weeks they want to see more out of some of the other guys in the roster, mm-hmm. who they might, like, what if Corvette suddenly sees his workload cut by 20% mm-hmm. right when Right. And I suppose that really depends on how the team is doing uh, record-wise here late in the season. Like, if they're in total tank mode and, you know, maybe trying to to get uh, Trevor Lawrence or something here in the upcoming draft, maybe they will just, you know, bench Fournette and and use the excuse that we want to check out our our young players and, uh, you know, see what we've got, basically. And uh, so I could see that happening, definitely. Do we? I know we touched on it briefly already uh, about the tight ends, but do we have any sort of feel for who we think is going to step forward and be the actual tight end one for this team? And do you want them on your team for this season? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I put up a little tiny thread on Twitter about like late, really late dart throws that I might be interested in at the t- at the tight end possession, tight end position rather. Sorry, if you like, if you're punting it flat out. And you won't even look at a tight end until the last round. Maybe you take a shot that Tyler Eifert will stay healthy like he did last season. You know, but that's really, I mean, you're really punting at that point, I think. Mm-hmm. What about you, Justin? Uh, so this is going to be an out of left field hit here. Um, let me pull up the numbers, but I'm pretty sure last year in like five games, James O'Shaughnessy had more targets than any other tight end on the Jags team, despite only playing five games, I could see him not being fantasy relevant, but being picking enough of the workload at tight end there that it keeps players like Oliver and Eichel from being fantasy relevant. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't love James O'Shaughnessy, obviously, because he's James O'Shaughnessy. He's <laughs> going to really be anything, but I mean, he had 20 targets in five games. That's four targets per game, which is... Yeah, that's the other time I say that's not that bad, all things considered. I'm okay, by the way, if you want to like pick up Josh Oliver as a stash, I guess, on your dynasty team, or if, especially if you have a taxi squad that allows you to keep them for multiple years, you know, before you activate them, then then cool. Um, just in case, like he ends up actually being the guy, because he also has somewhat high draft capital, third round pick. 2019 again, and he, you know, he he could be something if they decide to actually, you know, consistently use one tight end. But again, like Justin was saying, ah, I'd otherwise rather not. Mm-hmm. Okay, either of you have any last thoughts here about Jacksonville before we move on? I'll take that oh, dead I silence. He said about about Chanel and not liking him this year, but liking him in dynasty. I would second that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. Uh, Jake and I are both team fade rookie wideouts, uh, especially in redraft, at least for the first part of the season, just because they tend to take a little bit longer for the most part to acclimate to the team and build that chemistry with the quarterback. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with both of you as well with uh, Chanel. Next year is going to be the time to go after him. All right, then let's move on to Indianapolis. So they got rid of just a bunch of Jags on their team. Pun hey, intended. don't say that about Devin Funches. <laughs> uh, but they brought in Philip Rivers and Trey Burton. I don't know how we feel about that. Uh, big draft, though, out of them. Uh, Michael Pittman, wide receiver. Uh, our boy, Jonathan Taylor, running back. Uh, Jacob Eason could be the quarterback of the future there. Uh, how do we feel about the, these rookies here uh, for Indianapolis? I mean, I, I like Taylor more than Pittman, obviously. Um I don't love either guy in redraft that much. I just think that running back situation there with Marlon Mack and I mean is just a little too murky for me to love Taylor is more than like a low end RB two, high end RB three kind of player. Um for Pittman, I mean he's interesting too, but with Paris Campbell and Zach Hessel, um also kinda of competing for that like second receiver position behind Eli Hilton, it's kind of a mess there too. I think it 
It got rid of so many guys that threw us. I'm a little more interested in Jonathan Taylor this year, and I'll try to keep it unbiased because he's from Wisconsin and we're such Wisconsin homers, so I'll try and keep that out of it as much as possible. But my love for him does go a little bit more towards of what we've seen out of Marlon Mack to this point. And he's been um, he's been fine, especially for fantasy purposes. Marlon Mack has been fine. But for real-life NFL purposes, you would hope behind that offensive line, which is so much improved from you know the days of Andrew Luck, where he should be doing better than just okay. Um, his yards per attempt, 4.4 last year. He got a few targets. Naeem Hines is definitely the, the pass-catching guy there. But he just didn't—Marlon Mack did not light the world on fire like you would hope behind that kind of good line. So that's my, that's my in for Jonathan Taylor. That's my hope for him is that even with Marlon Mack there, it's a little bit more of a situation— um, like, you know, with maybe the Steelers, where James Conner is is the guy, and that could be Jonathan Taylor there. But then there's some other guys to kind of fill in the pieces, you know, and Naheem Hines would fill in the pieces, and Marlon Mack is uh, uh, just a guy to hop in there on occasion if he needs to press. But I, I definitely hear you about, it would be tough to be super confident in him this year, but I'm a little confident. Yeah, I think that Marlon Mack will begin the year as the starter and he'll probably get more of the carries to start the year but then as the year progresses we'll see taylor take over that backfield uh, as far as the first and second down work uh with the rushing yeah i i agree heinz is going to be the, the pass catcher out of that backfield at least for this season uh Wisconsin backs typically aren't known for their pass catching prowess uh, coming right out of college. So I, I think that might take a year or so for uh, that to catch on for him. Uh, but I, by the end of the season, I see that backfield probably between rush attempts being a 50-50 split between Mack and uh, Taylor. See, that did not sell. I Now I don't want Jonathan Taylor. If you're saying that's going to be a, a 50-50 split, now I'm out. Now, like, now I'm back to being out. Well, I'm just saying... All, all things said and done here at the end of the season. Uh, I think at the end of the year, he's going to end up getting more and more play, and, and he'll push Mac out of that role. Uh, but I think to begin the season, it, it's going to be Max. Only because I don't trust the um, off-season programs and training camp and everything with, with COVID and everything that's going on here, that I don't think they're going to get as many reps. And I know running back's a little bit different than other positions, uh, but I just... I just feel like he's going to need a little bit of time to get more acclimated than normally would take for a rookie running back. And yeah, for Pittman, same deal there. Mm -hmm. I mean, but much worse with Pittman. Everybody, so here's the thought then. So we talk about on this podcast all the time, rookie wide receivers and how difficult it can be to trust them. But they're an out and out stud and you kind of know, you know, every, every year there's a couple of guys that you can trust. But so for a guy like Michael Pittman, where I don't trust him, but the only other options there, you said, you know, that they got rid of a bunch of Jags, which is true. OK, I'm not saying any of these guys are studs, but I did make a point to list all these guys in the show sheet. It's Devin Funches, it's Dontrell Inman, it's Chester Rogers, Eric Ebron is a tight end pass catcher there. They cleared some space, um, even if it's just a bunch of Jags going away. At least you now know that those guys are not going to interfere with a guy like maybe Paris Campbell, who is now coming into his second year. Or does this mean T.Y. Hilton all of a sudden, does he get a bump up for you because the depth chart is kind of cleared out a little bit? I don't know. What do we think about the wide receivers there? I like Hilton this year a lot. Um, Hilton, I think Hilton, the Philip Rivers throwing in the ball, can really kind of show off his speed more, um, can show off his deep credibility more. Um, but I don't know. I, for me, the Colts for like the last like five years or so have been a team where like there's like one or two receivers I like and then there's just like an endless army of guys who just keep showing up for a few weeks and then vanishing and new guys show up. Like, even even with them clearing out you know, the Devin Punches of the world, I still wonder, like, is Marcus Johnson going to get a lot of snaps back there? I mean, it, it's I still think behind Dwight Houghton, it's really, really hard to get a kind of grasp on what's going to happen on what it's going to look like. But I, I, I love a healthy Houghton this year, if that happens. If he's healthy. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, same here. Uh, I'm really, and I know Jake and I have talked about this on, on previous episodes here, but uh, I'm really all for Paris Campbell. I think he is going to be the second year breakout wide receiver of the NFL this year. Uh, I've tried to get him in a couple of my leagues, and people just aren't willing to trade him uh, just because of, uh, well, in one of my leagues, uh, someone lives right in Indy, uh, the, the guy that has him on his team, and he's like, no, everybody is talking about him. He is going to be the real deal this season. So uh, he is someone I think everyone's going to be really surprised with uh, by the end of this next season. 
what do we do with the tight ends now? So clear out the wide receiver issues, which as you said, and Justin has a good point because like Zach Pascal is still there and he could still get in the way, even though I'm not drafting him as a, a fantasy asset really, but he could get in the way. But the tight end situation now is, do we have confidence in Jack Doyle? Or because they brought in Trey Burton, it's kind of a substitute. And Trey Burton, a long time ago with the Eagles, was somewhat relevant or could have been more relevant, but he was behind Zach Ertz. But he's back with Frank Reich, who was there at his time with Philly. Is there a chance that Trey Burton is a thing? Do we do we care about either Doyle or um, do we care about Burton for this year? I like Doyle a lot this year, um, just because I, I'm. I don't think Trey Burton poses the same level of threat as Jack Doyle that Ebron did. Um, and so, you know, Doyle, the last year before Ebron had 80 catches, 690 yards, four touchdowns, um, I don't think he equals that this year because I think, you know, Burton still exists and it still, you know, should get some looks. But I, I, I think I'm higher on Doyle than I have in the last couple of years. I think he's, I mean, maybe not something I want to be my everyday fantasy starter. But someone I could stream, someone I could play the matchup with, and be pretty happy about. Yeah, I agree. He's just one of those workman tight ends. He's not flashy, uh, but he he's just a really good NFL player. Not so much for fantasy, but he's just a good, solid NFL player. Uh, and I think, yeah, he's going to go back to what he he's you know we've come to expect from him over the last handful of seasons, and, and he's just going to be quietly efficient and does his role on the team really well. Uh, that being said, is do we think that Philip Rivers will be an upgrade over Brissett. Yes. <laughs> I am very curious about Philip Rivers this year because for everything that's been said about him, and to be fair, I've been saying some of this, so I'm, I'm complicit in this, but, you know, Philip Rivers and the, the arm worries there. You know, is this is this the year where his arm just basically falls off? Like, really on the field, does it just fall off this year? Um, he did throw the ball deep a lot last year. He was top 10 in, in deep pass attempts. His um, percentage there of accuracy was not so great. But also, he had a bad offensive line, um, so he gets a big upgrade there going over to Indy. He doesn't have, you know, supreme talent here. T.Y. Hilton, if he stays healthy, I think is is his Keenan Allen safety blanket, potentially. Um, and then the tight ends there. I'm cautiously optimistic about Rivers. Like, I'll take him this year as... I don't know, a, a top 15 guy. I know, I know that's not instilling a lot of confidence, but he's, he's, he'll be good, I think. I mean, I think he seems like a slight upgrade over percent. I, I'm not super optimistic about Rivers just because he's reached that point in his career where, like, I, it's hard to see him not just getting worse every year and every game. Um, I mean, but it, he's, he's gonna throw it deep a lot. Air yards can equal real yards. And that could be good for fantasy. Um, I think he's maybe a better fantasy quarterback than Brissett, but maybe not at this point much better of a real life quarterback than Brissett, maybe? Yeah, he's someone that I'll probably be uh, uh, targeting as like my QB2 in redraft leagues that I could use on those off weeks or, or flex play, uh, not flex play, uh, bye week fill in, uh, or maybe play the matchups a little bit if he's got like a really good matchup after we see the first few games of the season and how the team kind of uh, comes together. He, he would be fine for that, but I don't trust him as my starter week in and week out this season. Yeah, so you guys, so I just looked at, because I pulled up um, our Scott Fishbowl mock draft that all three of us are in together here, and I just realized I drafted Philip Rivers as my QB2 in that, and especially in that format where incompletions really hurt you uh, and interceptions really hurt you. I'm just going to go ahead and call a mulligan on that. Can I can I redo that pick and put somebody else in his slot? Well, this is yeah. why we do mock drafts. That's right. That's exactly right. This is so I can avoid this for real mm -hmm. in the actual Scottish world. That's right. I mean, I took, I took Sean Watson with my seventh pick there, and I immediately was like, what, him? what am I doing? I should have taken that. So, it, it, yeah, it's a mock That's right. It's the sh we shake the rust out. We shake all the Phillips out in this draft. Yeah, I can only hope that first round goes the same way, because I would take Kelsey dropping to me at the eighth pick all day long. <laughs> Justin, we're not talking about we're, we were talking about guys in the division. Now you're going outside the division. Uh, we we can uh, stray a little bit here. It's fine. 
That's fair. All right. Um, anything else here about uh, Indianapolis before we finish off with uh, Tennessee? No? All right. So uh, the Titans, surprise of the division uh, last season. They got rid of Marcus Mariota, Deion Lewis, old man, Delaney Walker. No real additions to speak of for free agency. Uh, and really, their draft picks, Darrington Evans, I guess, uh, you know, goes into that Deion Lewis role that was there. But uh, uh, not really much as far as upgrades, fantasy-wise, for the team. Are they going to continue that the pace they were on last season and the fire they caught uh, the second half of the season? Are they going to continue that into this season? Or is that more of a mirage where they're going to regress as a team a bit? I mean, as a Texans fan and therefore Titan hater, um, <laughs> I would hope not. I, I don't know. I mean, I think Tannehill did so many things so well last year. Rear mm-hmm. uh, high issue percentage, touchdown percentage, led the NFL in adjusted yard gains for passing attempt. Um, but an age 31 breakout feels kind of weird to me, and I don't know how sustainable that is. Like, I don't, I don't well, know. I'll tell you why that happened. Adam Gase. Everybody knows that. That was the reason. <laughs> Adam Gaze is the default answer now for any time that somebody leaves his team and has success in any form. No, but I, I and that could be partly true. It could be partly true, but also it was I, it was insane. It was actually insane mm-hmm. the the metrics that he posted for and yeah, especially in the red zone. Um, it was just absurd, and so much of that I think had to do with their defense too, who just kept giving them the ball. They gifted them the ball in these great situations. It was a lot like Baltimore, where they just they almost never found themselves in a bad situation. Um, so he got to be very careful. Tannehill did. I still like Tannehill a fair amount, I guess, for this year. Like I, I don't see him falling off the face of the earth. I think he'll be fine. He's he's like a Philip Rivers for me, but I'd take him probably above Philip Rivers in redraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if if we are saying that Tannehill is not going to be as efficient as he was last year, where does that put A.J. Brown? Uh, Because he really benefited from Tannehill's efficiency, and he really broke out. Uh, His breakout coincided with when Tannehill became the starter. So how do we feel about A.J. Brown? Because I know uh, the hype is off the charts about him, uh, uh, especially in Dynasty. So what what do you guys feel about him? Tell you where that put that puts AJ Brown. Puts him off my draft board. Not taking AJ Brown. <laughs> Hype is too much. Where are you on him, Justin? I mean, I keep up in the same place you are. I think he probably has a fine year, but not. I don't. I don't want him at the price he's going to go at. Like, people still hype on him. I like AJ Brown, but I mean, the talent's I mean, undeniable. Let's be honest. I mean, he is a freak out there, uh, and just his breakaway speed is just something else, man. To see him run away from defenders like he did, uh, it's just incredible. But yeah, I just, oh, I, 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 I think, like you said, he's going to have a fine season, but for what you have to pay for him, you're going to be disappointed uh, come the end of this next season. He's going wide receiver 16 currently, according to Fantasy Pros for PPR Leagues and Redraft. Wide receiver 16 is about 10 to 15 spots too high for where I would want to take him this year. Mm-hmm. No kidding. He's going around guys like Cooper Cup, Cortland Sutton, Calvin Ridley, Robert Woods. Know how much I love Robert Woods. Um, Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf. All these guys I want above A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I mean, nothing against A.J. Brown, but I, I just think a Tannehill takes a slight step back like he publicly did tonight. Um, yeah, Brown's not going to be a top 16 wide receiver. I agree. Uh, what about Corey Davis? Is he going to have the Devontae Parker fifth-year breakout here? <laughs> no, never. Stop, stop it, Dustin. <laughs> I'm not calling for it. I, I say I'm not calling for it. I'm just. I know there's still uh, believers out there, true believers in Corey Davis. So I'm just wondering if if that's actually going to be a thing, or uh, maybe he just needs to change the scenery after this season and uh, finds a home somewhere else that that is a little bit better fit for him. I don't know. If he moves teams, if he goes to some place that really values um, overrated middling wide receivers, then I will be happy to draft him when he goes to that team. But for right now, I'm staying fully away from Corey Davis. I'm much more in favor of uh, a non-wide receiver on that team who, who the you're big on, which is Johnny Smith. I, I'd rather go after a Johnny Smith type. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, uh, I have professed my love for him Uh through the mountaintops uh, all this offseason. Uh, what do you feel about John Smith here, Justin? Oh, I'm, I love John Smith this year. Um, 
I mean, he's got a great physical profile, great catch radius, he's fast. Um, he was third among tight ends in fantasy points to target last year, which is wild. Um, I mean, without Delaney Walker there, I think, I, I, I don't want to say the sky's the limit for Smith, because I think there is probably a limit on this offense for anyone. Um, but I, I love Smith this year. I think he has a chance to be, you know, a top, a low top 10 tight end or something. Oh, so, so you're quite a bit lower than I am on him. If if I told you I I just statted out uh, I did my early season projections for the season and he ended up as my number three overall tight end out of the question. I I mean that's higher than a D on him, but I mean it's not. I I, I would probably be like eight or nine tight end for me or something, which seems too high in my. I don't know. I don't know I if we can be friends then. <laughs> <laughs> I am much more on the side of Justin's cautiously optimistic side. I, I 100% think the top 10 seems very reachable for him. I would put him right in that second tier of tight end, so mm-hmm. not top three, Justin. I'm no, sorry. No, no, I know. <laughs> in that region where, you know, it, it's the obvious guys. It's your Kelsey, it's your Kittle, uh, it's Andrews. your Mark Andrews, and mm-hmm. Eckerts, right? And that's your top tier. But then that next tier, I think Johnny has to be included somewhere in that. What wherever he shakes out, but I do think he's in that next tier of tight end. No, realistically, that's probably where he will end up once I, uh, you know, go back and, and take a look at the projections again and kind of get a final going into the season. Uh, I just thought it was uh, fairly interesting of just how that ended up getting statted out uh, compared to all the other uh, tight ends there. But I really do like him. I think at where you can draft him, uh, especially in your home leagues, maybe not so much in, in your um, more more shark-type leagues where, where you have people that are uh, kind of do this more for a living or a little bit more plugged into to the drumbeat, uh, you're going to be able to get him super late, kind of like you did with Mark Andrews last year, and you're going to get a really good return on your investment. I like that. And I think, I think in our fishbowl mock, I got him in like the 11th round or something, which... I was surprised by. Yeah, I was hoping he would uh, go another round or two here, and uh, so I could snag him up. Because, like I said, that's my boy. <laughs> yeah, Dustin, I was gonna say, geez, you should have been all over that. You should have been drafting him in the fourth round. <laughs> At that point, you should have been taking him early. Well, I probably um, should have. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you you draft based uh, uh, ADP and a mix of projections, never off of projections solely, of course. But um, where do we think is there a chance that we kind of glossed over him? as a, a rookie pick, but Darrington Evans, I've heard a lot of very differing opinions out there. Some people think he'll be absolutely nothing, you know, similar to Deion Lewis last year. Other people think he could be something based on Deion Lewis the year prior, where he kind of was relevant. Um, I think a lot of that kind of depends on what Tannehill does with with targeting running backs, but do we have any any perspective on him? I mean, I, th- I think it's like a mix of the two. Like, he's going to be better than last year's Deion Lewis, but not as good as the year before's Deion Lewis. Um, I mean, Derrick Henry obviously should dominate the touches here in such a way that it makes it tough for any other running back to do much. Um, but also, can the Titans really keep any workload so high? I, it seems like... I, I, I guess I don't know what their long-term thoughts are on him. Like, if they think he's a going to be a Titan for a long time, they really, really need to use him a little less, which helps Evans. I don't know. I think if Henry was in their long-term plans, they probably would have tried to sign him to a, a longer-term extension. Uh, I think they're going to, fran- well, obviously they franchised him this year. I think they'll probably do it again next year, and then after that second one, just let him walk, because he's going to be, what, 28 or 29 by that, 28, I think, at that point, after the following season. Uh, so and then by then they can draft their replacement back for them and continue on as they have. It is unfortunate. It feels like that's the trend is with running backs. It's just there's so few that are going to be able to be paid. And next year's free agent running back list is just wild. It's just mm-hmm. bonkers the amount of, of kind of names that are on there. So I think it's going to be tough to to rely on anybody to do that. Uh, I don't know. For what it's worth, so Derek Henry is turning 26 this year. So yeah, it'll be 27 um, come next year. And like you said, going out of that, I don't know what his workload looks like. But for this year, uh, for this year, I'm almost leaning more on the side of keep feeding him mm-hmm. um, because it, it, it works. Like it got you to the playoffs. It, 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 it carried your team to a certain extent. So I don't know how much there will be willing to break away from that. Yeah, I agree. And that's what they're built for. They got great defense, 
run the ball, which opens up the passing game. Uh, and let's be honest, Henry is just a freaking beast, man. Like he just, <laughs> it's just not even fair. Like he, how he can just bowl over people and with that speed too. Like it's, he's got the whole package, which is crazy. So I think they would be foolish not to continue what they did last year uh, with, with Henry and the team in general. Yeah, that could definitely happen. Um, from a, from a fantasy perspective out. So outside of the backfield, outside of the tight end situation. Is there literally anybody else worth talking about from the Titans then? I can't imagine. I mean, maybe Adam Humphreys? Maybe? Maybe. You're after that. You're after that. It's good slot action. I mean, like, like in, like, fairly deeper leagues as, like, someone I occasionally play in my flex when bye weeks are happening, maybe Adam Humphreys? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have him in the Order of Our Staff Dynasty League because I like him that he was in Tampa and definitely was not happy about the move to Tennessee. Um, but me, I mean, I think he's, I like him more than Corey Davis, which oh. isn't saying much, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> now, like, flat out, you like him more to be more productive or just comparing kind of ADPs or both? Uh, everything. I mean, I, 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 at some point, I can't keep thinking Corey Davis be anything, um, and I think Humphreys is going to be more productive. Uh, he could have that mm-hmm. sneaky Danny Amendola kind of value, like you say, like flex him in mm-hmm. when you really him, and he probably won't disappear ever, really, you know? He might get you, like, four catches for 14 yards, but he'll never disappear. And I'm looking at their depth chart right now, and everyone below, hum- like, who, who are their receivers after Adam Humphreys? Like, Khalid Raymond, I remember him last year, but, like, Cody Hollister, who is that? Like, Tre- Trevion Thompson? I don't know any of these names at this point. I'm pretty sure they're all people that are actually just in the witness protection program, and they just <laughs> shove them into the depth chart in Tennessee. They're like, well, nobody's going to find you here. Don't worry about it. This is great cover. Mm-hmm. All right. Any last thoughts here with Tennessee? Or did we pretty well cover it all? I think we did it. All right. Justin, I have one last question for you. Who is going to take right. this division and why? I mean, I think Houston, mostly because they're the only team whose quarterback I'm confident in. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think their defense is solid enough. I think um, their offensive line is solid enough. I mean, either they don't have the best line or defense in this division, but I think there's less question marks there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't pick Jaguars in this division. There's no <laughs> universe. It's really a free race. And I mean, I. I think if Houston has injury issues, the Colts or the Titans both have a good shot. Um, but if, I'm going to go with Houston. I, I yeah, I, I'm not super confident in that just because of all the injury concerns. But I'm, I'm going to go with Houston for now. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Uh, I just I don't see Tennessee repeating what they did last year. Uh, that was kind of a lightning in a bottle situation where the stars lined up and and everything worked out for them. Uh, and yeah, with Indianapolis. I, I just don't trust Rivers. I mean, I really like the team, and they have a lot of really good pieces, but I don't know. And yeah, Jacksonville's just not even in the conversation. So I absolutely 100% agree with you. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw the Colts in there as, an, as a possibility. Uh, I definitely think it's between Houston and, and Indy for me. I agree that I don't see that avenue for the Titans to then repeat what they did just because of the efficiency metrics, and it seems like they're due for natural regression. But I really do think with the addition of Jonathan Taylor, um, if if Ty Hilton can actually stay somewhat healthy this year, and Philip Rivers is a slight upgrade, I I don't hate the idea of a Colts bounce back a little bit, um, but I, I definitely could see Houston. We gave Houston some crap for, obviously, the poor trading that happened, but they do still have a lot of weapons there. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement there, which is great. So uh, that will finish up our episode. Justin, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on uh, and finally getting to see, uh, put a face to the name here that we've been uh, chatting with on Twitter and going through this mock draft with. Uh, why don't you tell the folks one more time where they can find you and what you do? Yeah, um, you can find me at Just Carts on Twitter. Um, you can find my fantasy football writing at Rotoballer. Um including an article coming up pretty soon in which I talk about why I don't want either the Hell Warring or Josh Oliver this year in fantasy. Um, How very timely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great, um, great synergy there. 
And also, I just want to say, I promised myself I wouldn't say Firebill O'Brien a single time, and I just did, but I didn't say it as, like, a thing I would angrily say, so I'm proud of myself for that. I'm proud of you, too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. It was a pleasure having you on our show, and uh, anytime you want to come on again, just let us know. We'd love having you. Thanks. Well, big thank you again for Justin for coming on our show. It was a blast uh, talking about the AFC South with him. Uh, definitely go out and check out uh, all of his works and follow him on Twitter if you don't. Uh, please follow us on Twitter if you don't. I don't know why you wouldn't want to, because it's just tons of great content. We are at Drinking Fantasy. Uh, you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. You can find me at Jake Trowbridge. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. <laughs> <laughs>